Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. Hey, welcome back to the Treehouse Storyteller. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you go back and listen to our first handful of episodes. And if you have been following along, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with season one. I know today is going to be equally filled with value and encouragement because I am interviewing a new friend of mine, Kayla Yoder. Kayla is a fellow Jesus following mom whose parenting goal is heaven, not Harvard, and loves helping others find their confidence in Christ alone. In her home, she does things against the current as she tries to keep Christ the focus. It's not easy, but Kayla says it's always worth it. So we are only a few episodes into the Treehouse Storyteller podcast. And one of my biggest visions for this time shared on Treehouse Storyteller is equipping parents how to raise up amazing children to grow up and love the Lord despite the culture they've been born into. So I can't wait to dive into conversation with Kayla. Kayla, thank you so much for being on my show. Yes, this is such an honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So I have to tell listeners a quick story of how we kind of met. Um, So we met through a Facebook group that we're both a part of. And I actually listened to some of her episodes and which led me into some information about where she lives. And so we had to reach out to each other and go, oh my goodness, I grew up 40 minutes from where <laughs> Kayla is, if, if even 40 minutes, but we kind of know the same places. And um, I just think that's really awesome how God brought us together and God used geographical location to connect us. And <laughs> um, so I want you to go ahead and share a little deeper about yourself, um, maybe about your family, where you live, and honestly, fill in our listeners with really kind of the demographic around you, because I think it's an area of the country that a lot of (laughs) Americans don't realize still exists. Um, So I'd love for you to give in that tidbit. Yeah. Well, like she said, I am Kayla and I am a Midwest Indiana girl. We live um, in the northern part of Indiana. Uh, If you guys know like Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, I'm about an hour from there. Uh, We live in the heart of Amish country and it does still exist. People still travel by horse and buggy or carriage, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they still wear real simple dresses, don't have electricity, most of them. And um yeah, it's it's a quiet, um, I'd say slowed down area, but really they work just as hard or harder than the rest of us. So it's not really that much slower. Um, but it just reminds you to just kind of take things back to simplicity. And uh, we love it here. We 
I always tell the kids as we avoid potholes this time of year, like we trade nice roads for pothole roads because our life is just a little bit calmer here. So, um, but we love the area we live in. I've grown up here my whole life. Uh, my husband does construction, uh, residential construction, and we have two kiddos. I have um, a fourth grade daughter and a kindergarten son, and they are so excited because they um, they go to a private Christian school and they just got done with their readathon um, this past month. And today they get to cash in on one of their prizes. They get to go to a local um, trampoline park. So they are super stoked about that. <laughs> and um, that's what we get excited about here in the Midwest is trampoline parks. <laughs> Um, but I do a podcast called Confidence in Christ. Um, we over there, we love to just build our confidence, not on what necessarily God does for us, but who he is and who his character is and just helping people kind of, um, get a firm foundation in who Christ is, is really, um, at the heart of what I do. So I love what I do and I'm excited that I get the opportunity to, uh, share it here with your listeners. So thanks for inviting me. That's awesome, Kayla. I love that you brought up the Amish country. And, you know, I grew up in similar, I wasn't right in the heart of Amish country where I was, but we visited that area a whole lot. And I've never really pieced that together before, but perhaps somewhere in my heart is where that longing for a more simple way of life, a slower pace, the homesteading, all of that stuff is just, I don't know, almost, it's almost like I've romanticized it over the years and it just has this like really sweet feeling to me. Um, So thank you for bringing that up. I have said it before and I'll say it again. I do not like small talk. So it makes me feel super awkward when I'm like in a room and have to meet people and like, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. Um, But then once we get like into the good mushy stuff, then I like fully commit to the conversation. So Kayla, I appreciate you bringing your transparency into the treehouse with me. And I want you to dive into the heaven first Harvard statement that um, you have claimed. So you've you've basically said that you care more about heaven than Harvard. Can you explain to us the heart behind that bold statement? Yeah. So um, we have done every realm of schooling. We started with public school with our daughter and then we homeschooled for a year and now they go to um, a private Christian school. And during that year of homeschool, it really Um, God just rocked me and was like, what are we working towards here? Are we working towards heaven or are we working towards Harvard? Um, Are we going to work towards um, having our kids learn more about Jesus and have a deeper relationship with him? Or are we more worried about their grades and what they know and like where they're going to end up in life? And um, it just really made me sit back and think because um, having that public school background with the kids, um, it was all about like, oh, you have all this homework. Like you have to know this. This is this is required, like very regimental. And when it come to came to homeschool, it was like, oh, like we can kind of learn as we have fun and um, like incorporate things in that like we've always wanted to teach our kids or we're hoping that they were teaching them. And as we um, kind of grew into that, it was like this God opened my eyes and was like, we're working towards heaven, not Harvard. If they end up at Harvard, 
great if that's where God calls them. But like, that's not our goal. And um, as we moved into our private Christian school um, season right now, we have found that it's just this really happy balance of both where um, Christ is the center of all that they do. Um, but we're also learning. We're also having fun with our friends and um, working towards learning things, but not necessarily making that like the end all be all. Like God is our ultimate goal and knowing him better. So uh, that's kind of where the heaven versus Harvard came from. I love that. So I had a pastor's wife uh, when we lived in California for five years. Her name is Brenda Leavenworth. I'll give her a shout out. But um, she always taught us young moms and young women that she would say over and over again to her kids, I don't care about your happiness. I care about your holiness. And I see that as you know, very similar because the happiness is entertaining the flesh desire, right? And the holiness is entertaining your your kingdom desire, your spiritual desire um, for for really eternity. So I really like that that you say that, and I I might steal it sometime. I I think it's really cool. So truly, you are someone who is unashamed of the gospel, and you know you've talked about your podcast. Now I've heard like a glimpse of this story. How did your podcast journey start? Like, why did you decide to start a podcast? Because I think it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Yeah. So um, to make a long story short, the end of 2020, beginning of 21 was really hard for us. Um, both my parents passed within about a month of each other. Um, I was really close to my mom, not as close to my dad, but um, it was just a really, really hard season. And um, as I walked through that season, there was dark moments, but most of it was just clinging to Jesus and having him carry me through because I knew I couldn't do it. I didn't have the strength to even like wake up in the morning, but there he was every time faithfully meeting me there um, with just the strength and the joy that I needed to see in that day. And um, as I walked through that journey, um, I very openly and vulnerably uh, shared that with my friends on social media or just my friends in general that I talk to um, on a daily basis. And um, towards the end of 21, I had a friend who um, was diagnosed with a really severe form of breast cancer. Um, and we had been friends through a business and had never really had Jesus conversations, but um, I was one of the first ones that she contacted. She was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what, what do I do? Like, I this could be the end of me. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And um, I prayed for her and just uh, kind of started walking alongside her in her journey, not really like pushing God onto her, but making sure that she knew like that's where I was coming from. And that was my stance. And I asked her if I could start sending her just daily voice memos. I was like, I just want to encourage you and let you know like why you can have confidence in Jesus during this hard time, because he's the only thing that's going to get you through. She was like, yep, anything. Like I will literally take anything you can throw at me. So I began sending her voice memos. The goal was to do it like once or twice a week, but I found such a passion in it that I started doing it daily. And I was like, okay, we're doing this. Like, I'm going to do this for a solid year. I'm going to start sending you daily voice messages every day. Now, did I do it every day? No, but I would always catch up. So if I'd miss a day, I'd send her two or because I like just personally, I wanted to make that um, like dedication to not only her, but to God, like I want to be in your word every single day. And what I would do is I would read a scripture and then I would just dive into it super quick, two to three minutes and explain it because she was new to the faith. She didn't really have a deep relationship with Jesus and she was learning. So I was like, well, this is a great way to kind of teach her who God is, teach his character and like why she can trust him. 
And as time went on, um, the Lord was just kind of like, hey, like, I want you to give her more stories, like give her more testimonies of like why she can trust. Like, yes, scripture is is everything but like our testimonies that's part of how we push back darkness how we push back the enemy yeah so i was like okay god like how do i do that like do i do like a three-way phone call like <laughs> what does this look like god and he was like just interview people i was like oh well like that's easy okay how do i interview people and that's when he led me to kind of um a podcast format and i was like okay like i'm not sharing this with anybody but her like these interviews are for me and then i'll share it with her and like that's the end of it they'll live on my laptop until the end of time and so i started interviewing just local people that i knew who had been through hard times and um as time went on and i started doing these interviews my friend was like these would be great like anybody would benefit from these i'm like okay god like do i do i make an actual podcast out of this like what do i do and um six months after i started recording interviews and things like that he was like it's go time so i um watched youtube videos and like self-taught 100 and just dove into this and just slowly started releasing not only the interviews that i had done but also those daily scripture dives that i did with my friend so i have a whole year's worth of um daily scripture dives that I share um, seven a week um, plus one interview. So it's a lot right now, but it's so um, beneficial I found to people because it just kind of jumpstarts their day or maybe their um, time alone with God where they're like, I just need something. I'm not sure where to start. So they'll listen to one of the quick two to three minute dailies and they're like, okay, that was great. I'm going to use that as kind of a launching pad. So that's the goal with the daily ones. And then the interviews are just to keep encouraging people um, through testimony because our testimonies are so, so powerful. I think that's awesome. I think that's a really amazing ministry really that you have developed without even trying to do that. Um, and I think right. it really proves you know, like it really proves your faithfulness to listening to the voice of God and your obedience to that. I mean, six months after, my goodness, like God told me to start a podcast almost exactly a year ago. And I I had an argument with him for a very long time. <laughs> and I knew I would get there. But I'm like, but but it was it wasn't necessarily an argument of no, God, I don't. Um, I'm not going to it was more like, but God, do you realize who you're asking? Like, I don't know. I, I was like you, like I'm YouTubing the heck out of this and I don't know what I'm doing. And I edit photos for a living, not sound. This is a whole different ball game. Um, you know, so it's just, it's, it's um, incredible to me that you um, just took that leap of faith and just, I mean, it's a, you know, just putting yourself out there in that way and allowing God to do that work, I think is blessing so many people's lives that are listening to it. So I think that's amazing. Um, it certainly blessed my life when I found your podcast. So thanks for sharing that story. Um, it's hard because it is, you know, out of hurt and out of something, um, you know, just the fallenness of our world between losing your parents and then your friends, uh, you know, going through cancer, that is just such a hard place to start. But I feel like it is when those moments come at us that people are, you know, really the most open to receiving. And so I think that's really cool. Um, so with all of that, you clearly understand the heart of discipling 
people around you. So how do you feel like you translate that and take it into your home with your own kids? What does that look like? I feel, I feel like it's easier to do it with people outside your home for sure <laughs> because I kids are mouthy sometimes like mine are six and ten and like my friends are outside the house are way more willing to listen to me than my six and ten year old but so that's like my first hurdle is like patience like calmness and like bringing things down to a level that they understand um, but I find so much joy in just having um, really like deep conversations with my kids. Like I love theology and diving into that. And um, they ask me questions and then like they start hearing me talk about theology and they're like, okay, mom, like dial it down, like bring it back to us. I'm like, okay, sorry. But just, um, just those everyday things of using what's happening in our lives and using that as kind of a starting point to bring God into the conversation. Um, so for example, like my daughter um, was having issues with just a friend at school just kind of being um just mean when she didn't need to be and so i was like okay like let's let's look at this from your friend's point of view and the friend has a really hard home life and things just aren't easy for her i'm like well how would how would you react to a friend at school if this if this is the situation you're coming from she's like oh i'd probably be really grouchy and mean too and so we use that as like our starting point of like okay like how does god tell us to respond then and um it's really all about just taking those things that happen in life that we all have to go through and we're learning from. And then um, just kind of weaving scripture into it. What does God tell us? How can we do this um, through a biblical lens? And um, it's, they don't always get it. It's not always this perfect, like tie it with a bow. Sometimes we end and everybody's more frustrated than when we began because we're like, why would God ask me to be nice when someone's being really mean to me? Um, so it's hard lessons, but it's lessons that we learn throughout our life. And I found that as um, I explain those and my husband kind of jumps in and helps explain those as well, our kids just have a better grasp on um, what the Bible says about hard situations or what God says on just different things in life. And um, it's been an adventure for sure, but it's also grown me as well because um, I have to kind of woman up and say, I don't know the answer, but let's find it out together. Like, let's see what God says together. And that vulnerability with them has just been huge because they're like, okay, like mom and dad don't know everything. That's good. And I'm, I'm glad to see that they're human and that they mess up just like me. And like, we're just going to follow Jesus together, even though we're all really messy. So it's been a really fun um, kind of journey that we've taken with the kids in that area. I love that. I love that you said that you'll, you know, when you don't have the answer that you'll find it with your kids. And I think that is so important walking hand in hand with them through those big questions. If it's something that, mm. you know, you and I don't know, and we've been raised in the church and we're still trying to figure out that that's a big question. Um, and it's really cool. Sometimes it's like the bizarre ones like dinosaurs or kids are going to ask things that are so outside of the box of our like Sunday morning theology, right? And they're going to be things that are that are so far <laughs> so far out there. And I think it's really important that we can just not shoo them away, not say, you know, I don't know, that's a that's a really hard question and just hey, let me keep chopping vegetables for dinner. You know, like I think we have to really 
give them that time and it doesn't have to be right then, but Hey, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have my hands full right now, but let's, let's go into that after dinner. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Like let's do some research together and figure that out. And I think kids are especially in today's day and age. So when I was a kid and I had a question, I went to a kid on the bus or in my classroom, or I ask it at recess or during lunch, like, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, guys, I heard this word. What does that mean? But now what do kids do? They type it into Google Mm. and we're we're letting Google answer their questions or, you know, whatever, whatever platform, um, YouTube, whatever it is, like they're going to, you know, these completely outside sources that are completely worldly sources that we have zero control of what that answer Mm -hmm. is going to look like. And, and it opens up like a whole, a whole slew of things. So I think it is so important that we as parents keep that open conversation of trust that, you know, you talked about, you know, you're, you're, you're wanting your friend to have God's trust Mm -hmm. uh, in discipling to her and like giving her all of these testimonies. Well, I see that perfect picture of us as parents needing to do that same thing with our kids. And I think we forget that sometimes in like the heat of the moment. Um, And I am absolutely guilty of it. And we can, we can blow God's trust, you know, for our kids very quickly going kind of in that concept. I brought so the whole screen thing. um, Do you guys in your family have, I, have specific boundaries around screen time or, you know, they're not allowed on these certain platforms or these certain shows. And I am asked that all the time now. Like, I think the second people found out I was on a podcast, (laughs) now I became Google in real life. Um, But I, I have, (laughs) I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's like, oh, I must know everything now because I have a microphone and that is absolutely not true. But I thought it would be a really good thing to bring up because, um, you know, you and I are probably both trying to raise our kids in a very similar manner and mine are at home with me all the time. You've had yours home with you all the time, but now they're in uh, what sounds like an awesome Christian school. And what does that look like for you with screen time? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, So we are not your traditional family when it comes to screen time. Our kids do not have their own iPads. They don't have their own gaming systems. They don't have a TV in their room. Um, None of that stuff. We've got uh, a gaming system that I I literally think it's from like my childhood. It's like one of those like old like PS2. So like doesn't connect to the internet, but like we got like Frogger and Ms. Pac-Man, like those like retro games. Um, And we we do things together. So our thing is that we don't have these like really strict, like this is the rule for screen time, like this many minutes or you're allowed here. You're not allowed here. We're very um, open with our kids. Like the world is out to get you. And like, this is why it's out to get you. This is why we believe what we believe. Like Jesus did not come so we could be bound by all of these things that the world is trying to corrupt us with. Like he came to give us freedom and with freedom, 
comes responsibility and we need to be responsible with our time and with um, just kind of self-control. We call it um, taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient, just like it says in scripture. And so when it comes to screen time, we're um, again, not real rigid because we don't, um, it's not that we don't offer it. It's just that our kids don't think about it because we have all these other things that we do together. We um, play games or we read books. Um, Now, Mind you, we are in Amish country, but we're not like sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya all the time. Like <laughs> we've got jobs, we've got sports and like things like that. But we we decided um, as parents that we're just going to take a backseat to like the media stuff. We're not going to completely cut them off from it because we know as soon as they get out in the world, they're just going to dive in head first. So like we don't want to take it away completely. We want to have a healthy um, setting with it. So um, our kids, if they're going to come down and play um, video games in the basement, one, it's not connected to the internet. So we don't um, have to worry about that, but they're going to do it together. So it's not like one kid gets, oh, like you can go down like play as long as you want no it's a together thing so that way we're not um we're more accountable we're not doing things that we shouldn't be or um finding who knows like there's so many things that they can find that i would be just dumbfounded if i knew how they found it um but we talk about it so we're like if you see something that is not right like come ask us like we'll we're not gonna be like oh my gosh how dare you like you saw that like oh like that came across your path that's not ideal, but hey, we're going to talk about it because obviously it's time to address it. Um, that happens more with like TV and commercials and stuff like that. We're like, okay, we pause it and we're like, can anybody tell me why that's not what we believe? And they're like, oh yeah, like, and they can call it out because we have those conversations about what God thinks about these things. And if we didn't have those constant conversations, like we were talking about earlier, they wouldn't know that that was wrong. So making sure that we are their Google, we are the ones that they come to when they have questions, um, helps us with our screen time. Um, now I have friends that like their kids have iPads and they can do whatever. And I do not look down on that at all. Like that's, that's how your family runs. That's great. Um, but that's just not how ours works. We'd much rather them be outside getting dirty and just um, being kids and just not worrying about that. So um, one of our things we like to do um, to offer in, in place of screen time sometimes is just um, going outside, whether it's the middle of summer or the middle of winter, like, Hey, like we're all going to go as a family outside because if they see us inside watching TV or sitting on our phones and we're like, okay, you guys can't do that, but we can, that sends like a double message and we don't want to do that. So we're like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're all going to put our screens down. We're all going to go outside together. We're all going to sit and play a family game. Um, And I think that's been a really big help for us is keeping ourselves um, as parents to the same standards as we call our kids. So like, um, for example, my husband, he got a hobby of um, turning wood. He makes ink pens and like just the coolest things. And that is his kind of outlet instead of screen time, instead of being on his phone or playing video games or whatever, whatever we want to do. And um, our kids see that. So they're like, Oh, well, like dad's not on a screen. Like he's not taking the input. Like he's creating something. He's doing something. So that's been really big for us is making sure that we ourselves are staying to the same standards that we're calling our kids to. Cause they pick up on that so fast and they're going to call you out on it. Be like, um, I can't be watching TV right now. Why do you get to watch YouTube videos on your phone? Like, that's not cool. 
own up to it. Like, you know what? Didn't even think about it. I am so sorry. Like put the phone down, like, Hey, what are we going to do? Let's do something together. Um, and that's, that's probably been our biggest thing. And it's a boundary, but it's, um, like a fluid boundary. Like we don't even like say like, this is what we believe. Like these are the rigid boxes within we live. It's, it's more of like a, Hey, like this is just our lifestyle. And we um, sit there with kind of open hands as a family, like, okay, like what do we want to do together? And our hope and our prayer is that that just keeps us binded together as a family, as they grow older into teenagers and that they kind of keep these same um, viewpoints because they've enjoyed it and it's made life a a lot um, simpler and just not as confusing, hopefully. I think that's really cool. I, w- I was just talking about this on one of my, I think it was an Instagram post this week, how God's, I feel like God's design when he created us was to use our hands. I mean, he gave mm-hmm. us like, obviously from the get-go, the garden, and I can just picture Adam and Eve working in the garden and touching things with their hands and, you know, just walking like from a physical aspect, just walking on the ground and, and observing all these things and just taking in God's creation and that bringing them so much joy. And I look at where our, our culture has come today. We've kind of replaced observing nature with observing, you know, first of all, kind of like the walls inside of our home. Mm -hmm. Um, But then now it's like staring at a screen and just observing whatever images that the algorithm hands you next, which is like zero control and very scary of whatever that is going to come up Mm -hmm. uh, as like as you scroll. Right. And for a child, that's that's terrifying as an adult. That's scary. But as a child, like, I oh, my goodness, the things that they could see. And but then I also picture us using our hands and instead of using our hands for something productive and something good, they are almost that that need and that um, God-given desire to work with our hands is almost replaced with these devices in our hands. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like once we're done with that, we're maxed out and can't use our hands on anything else. Mm-hmm. And I love that your husband takes up woodworking and my husband actually does quite a bit of that himself when he has time. Um, he loves loves woodworking, loves working with his hands. And I think I always think about, okay, if my kids are wanting to be on a screen or a tablet or wanting to like, you know, kind of fiddle with their fingers, we have like the fidget spinners, like all these things. It's obviously a need for kids to need to be busy with their fingers and their hands. But instead of giving them like you know, a fidgeting thing or a phone or whatever. I mean, there's a time and place for these tools, right? Right, right. But what if we also have all of these other things like in our back pocket, like for the little ones, like here's Play-Doh, here's paint, here's, you know, Mm -hmm. all of my, my youngest is four and she is obsessed right now with putting, most of them are my old Barbies, Um, But she will put them in a giant mixing bowl and stand at the sink and fill the mixing bowl with water. And she just wants to like play with them in water. And that satisfies her literally for like 45 minute time stints. It's incredible how much she's into it right now. And it's just it's there's something tactile, something with the texture and just the water and the hair and the, the, you know. The, the Barbie thing, like it's just, that's her world right now. And 
you know, her being able to do that instead of sit there on a screen for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. I think is, is awesome. Now, what's hard is that I do most of my work on a screen right. and when I'm not painting. So I watercolor. And so that one's easier because I'm like, hey, mommy's watercolor and you go over there and why don't you paint too? And I'll get you supplies and, you know, we'll do that. But if I am, you know, really knee deep in work, I am usually in front of a screen of some sort. It's either my giant, giant iMac or it's my phone working on a post or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or just replying to emails or setting up a calendar thing. Like there's always all of those little tasks. And what I've had to tell my older kids is, hey, I know it looks like I'm having fun, but I'm actually working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it, it's hard though, because this is the culture that we live in is that like, hey, you can't just sit there and play on your phone, but I need to work on mine. And so I feel like, gosh, like I feel like that's a really hard position because we are almost forced to do, as you said, where we're like not leading by example and kind of showing this like confusing, well, you're doing it for that and then you get distracted. And so I always give my kids too like, Hey, if you see me on Instagram, like I'm really just working on emails here. So if you see me get lost on Instagram, yell at me. Like it's, you can, and teaching my kids that they can hold me accountable too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. No, I just, I totally agree with that. One thing that we've done is, um, that kind of has helped with that, but our kids are a little bit younger is that like, I almost, I almost put like a sign up or like a sticky note that like I'm working and this is work. This is not for fun. Or they're like, Hey, like, why are you on your phone? Like we give them permission to ask us and them having that permission is huge. Like they love that like little mini power trip that they get. And they're like, mom, why are you on your phone? I'm like, and I will literally show them. I'm like, Hey, like I am answering this email or like, I've got to get this um, interview questions out and I forgot about it all day. And like, I have to do it now. And they're like, Oh, okay. But when they are like, hey, like, what are you doing on your phone? I'm like, oh, I'm on Instagram just scrolling. And they're like, oh, are you supposed to be doing that? And I'm like, nope, not supposed to be doing that. And I'm like, turn it down. And like, it's not like I'm in trouble. They're just keeping me accountable, just like I keep them accountable. So it's it's a thing that has to be learned. So nobody takes a power trip over it. But it's it's so important because then it keeps me in check, too. So thousand percent agree. No, that's good. My husband just took, he's done this multiple times. Um, He will just completely remove all of the social media apps from his phone so that it makes Mm -hmm. it ridiculously hard to, you know, just go on and, and, you know, scroll through anything and he doesn't touch it and he doesn't miss it. And for him, um, especially being a Marine and having a just such a heart for this country and a heart for, you know, the, the direction that he thinks it should be going. Um, and then when he sees posts that are so against that, it is so hard for his heart to absorb that. And then he gets really bitter or really upset. And so that is one of those ways that he has, you know, kind of led by example in our family of protecting our heart from things going on in this world. And we can be just as influencing and just as there and present without fully being attacked by it on a daily basis. And, you know, just kind of putting Mm -hmm. up that barrier of protection between between our hearts and what the world is throwing at us. And I think 
if adults have to do that, again, how much more do our children who are just so easily influenced at a young age need that done for them? I mean, they can't, they can't put that wall up themselves. Yeah. They need us parents to create that boundary and to create that wall. Even if that wall can, can move a little sometimes, it needs to be there. Um, so mm-hmm. with your kids in, I mean, you've done, you've done everything. I've pretty much done everything too, between, you know, homeschool, public school. We did private school um, for the younger years, private Christian. And how do you see, like, or do you see cultural influences happening inside of a Christian school um, similar to what maybe we're seeing in public schools. Yeah, um, it's been a few years. So we were a pre-COVID family when it came to public school. So it was like 2020 was the last year that um, our daughter was in public school and our, our son never was. He was too little. But with where we live, um, it's a little bit more, the world would say sheltered. Um, we would just say like we're being very mindful of what we allow and what we don't allow. With not having my hand in public school as much anymore, um, I'm not sure exactly what's happened since COVID, but um, I know that our area schools just really um, are, like I said, just real mindful about what they share and what they don't. Um, I have friends that are just kind of exasperated when it comes to um, what they find out their kids are learning or what's allowed or what's not allowed and things like that. And um, they're just kind of, hoping that things change and praying that um, God would just be able to move in and just kind of take over. Um, I don't know if that'll happen in the world we live in today, um, but that was one of the main reasons that we made the switch to um, the school that we're at now, because it's not that we wanted our kids sheltered. We want them to be aware of what's happening, but we want them to have that solid biblical base on um, where we stand and why we... um, are not necessarily like us versus them, but why we are going to love the way Jesus loved in a culture that is very not what we believe. Um, So as we've seen that kind of play out, um, because our kids are in sports outside of school, we only, they only have a couple sports and it's for the older kids. So like they play sports that are um, a mix of public homeschool and private school, like anybody's allowed to play. And um, just like the way uh, people will react, like, for example, like a baseball game or a softball game. And they're like, why did they get so upset about that? We're like, maybe their priorities just aren't where they should be. Or maybe they're just really into the game. Maybe they're and we don't, don't try and explain it away, but we just try and give them options because everybody's different. We want to try and explain that to them so they understand like not everybody believes what we believe. So they're not all going to respond in the same way. And um, being at our current school kind of helps us with that um, on a daily basis because they're getting that same foundation that we give at home at school, which we're really, really thankful for. Um, but when we, it, they're also equipping them for when we go out into the world and we encounter people that don't believe what we believe or maybe believe the opposite, like how we handle that, what we do and how we um, just um, show Jesus to them through our actions, through our words and um, not try and like push people into like, oh, like you should believe what I believe, but more of like a, it's okay if you don't believe what I believe, but this is where I stand. And like what you say isn't going to move me. So we're just trying to um, 
just get that firm foundation that we we know that they need and um, that we hope that they carry on throughout their life, even after school. That's awesome. That setting the foundation, like you just said, is so vital. And I think that is the key element that is missing in a lot of homes right now. I think the foundation is sand and the foundation is unfertile soil. Um, And it is of the world's uh, definition of truth, which is anything it can be at any given moment in time versus uh, the truth of the word and what God says about his truth and his unwavering truth. And I think that it is our absolute biggest ministry as mamas, as parents in any day and age, but especially right now today in such a time as this to be setting up a foundation and all of our foundations look a little bit, how we do the foundation looks a little bit different. And I think it's incredible that you have found a school to trust and partner with because that's a, that's a partnership, right? But setting up that foundation on biblical principles so that your kids know not only where they stand, but what they stand on and what their root systems are attached to and clinging to, to get through this life. And when they go out into the world, they have a solid foundation. And my, my sister-in-law was a longtime teacher. Uh, she taught German among other things. And she always instructed people that would ask her about homeschool and public school. And she would always say, don't put your kids in until that foundation is set. And when you feel like that foundation is really there, then Mm. let them enter. And that always stuck with me. And it's such, yeah, such, um, you know, because our kids are going to hear everything and whether it's at school or sports, like you said, like they're exposed to so many things on a daily basis. Even if we tried to put our kid in a bubble, they it's virtually impossible, um, especially now, unless we, you know, really did live on like a crazy plantation off the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um and unplugged from everything. I mean, so like, I mean, the Amish, (laughs) but I mean, you still, I feel like the Amish still go out into the world. They still have to go places. They still have to, you know, travel and get to certain places to get certain things. And they still see what the world looks like. And I'm sure they're shaking their head at us, but (laughs) I just, man, this is super awesome. Um, I, I think it's it's just so necessary having, you know, these conversations like we talked about with our kids, establishing their foundation, you know, setting boundaries. Um, I think of the scripture, um, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I think that's just such a beautiful picture of what parenting can look like. And, you know, that we are just, you know, in it with them mm-hmm. all the time. And I think you are doing an amazing job doing that. And I hope that, you know, the the stories that we've shared today have really encouraged other parents to stand firm. And I think, you know, the world's telling us to remove those boundaries, but the Bible tells us to keep them. And um, another scripture I want to say that is, it's so hard to swallow if you're not doing this, but those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough 
to discipline them, Proverbs 13, 24. And so if we truly are loving our children and wanting them to to fall on their knees after a savior that loves them so much, then we are committing to doing hard things and to disciplining them when it when it needs done and to you know create boundaries in a safe place for them when that needs to be the answer. And so I just want to encourage um everyone that listened to you today, Kayla, that, you know, we are all in this fight together as Christian parents, and we have to raise each other up. We have to encourage each other and give each other tools and just and go against the grain. So Kayla, before we close out, what are your top values that you want to encourage other mamas listening to make sure we are passing down to our next generation? Good question. Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what you just said um, about just having that firm foundation. And um, this is, and then I'm going to go back just a little bit, like a shout out to all of those parents building that firm foundation and then um, sending your kids out to the world. Like I have so many friends that their kids go to public school and like they have that firm foundation. So they are not getting shaken. And it's so, so important to have that because our kids after they're out, um, in public school or wherever they are, like the world is then waiting for them. And we know that the enemy is there to, um, to destroy them. He's waiting just behind things like just there to devour them. So making sure that we have that firm foundation and um, being vulnerable with our kids, being honest with them, letting them know that we don't have all the answers, that we're going to find them together, but we're going to do it in a biblical way. We're going to see what the Bible says first. We're not going to go to Google. We're going to go to the Bible and go to our true source of truth and our foundation um, and just teaching them that that's where you go first instead of the world, um, I think just says a lot about how they will handle that down the road. So making sure that you're just telling them, like almost give a narrative as you do things like, oh, like I'm not sure how to do that. I'm just going to go like sit and pray about it. I'm just going to talk to God about it. And um, narrating kind of your journey. And then they kind of it's like thinking out loud because then they're like, oh, well, when I have a problem, then I might just go sit and talk to God too. Um, so just being open, be vulnerable, um, help set that firm foundation. Don't be afraid of going against the current and being different because God called us. He created us to be different. So um, embrace that and not in a like crazy, we're going off the grid way. Now, if that's your thing, then that's your thing. But like um, in a way that glorifies Christ, that shows that um, we're not afraid to live a little bit different. We're not afraid to be like, oh, like they're, they're just not, they don't do things the same. I wonder why, like they seem happier. They seem more content. Like, why is that? And then that gives you the opportunity to point to Christ. And as we live like that as adults and we get our focus um, in on Jesus, it's just going to um, pass on to our kids because they're watching. They're always watching just like we talked about earlier like i give my kids permission like if i'm not doing the right thing on my phone like call me out on it i need that accountability and as they watch us do that and they allow that um, in their own lives um hopefully that transfers to once they have their own phones like hey what you doing should you be doing that and um that just kind of recenters us back to um uh like a community within our own wall four walls at home and just um focusing it on jesus because that's Again, we're going for heaven, not Harvard, not the world, not what the world says is success. We're going for um, a life bent on Jesus. We're just 
we want to follow hard after him um, as a unit, as a family. Yeah. Heaven, not Harvard. I love that, Kayla. Thank you again for being on the Treehouse Storyteller podcast. I know I've enjoyed our time together today, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Head to the show notes to connect more with Kayla. I'll leave all of her info there. And uh, I just thank you again for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a great, um, a great community that you have. So thank you so much. Thanks, Kayla. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and head on over to Instagram or Facebook and follow us on Treehouse Storyteller or check us out online at thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, blogs, photography, and encouragement. See you soon.